Hey friend, are you ready to become the visionary of your business? Are you ready to multiply your money to get to your first 100K or your next 100K and really discover the joys of profit? Are you ready to stabilize your systems to really take advantage of all the opportunities that are coming your way? Are you ready to hire your dream team so you can step into the role of chief visionary and finally stop being the bottleneck of your business? Are you ready to increase your confidence in your decision-making, your sales, and become recognized as a leader in your industry? Are you ready to take the vacation of your dreams, live the life that you want, all while knowing your business is running smoothly in the background? Imagine where you could be in three months, six months, or 12 months if you went all in on your business now. Would you take the leap? Take the leap, friend. Applications are now open for the Product Boss Mastermind. We're looking for serious product-based business owners who are ready to grow into six or seven figure product-based businesses. The mastermind is designed to facilitate a breakthrough year in your business and life through coaching, connections, and true mastermind. This means you never have to make a decision alone again, and you're surrounding yourself with fellow high-level product business owners that get it, and they are taking action. So go to theproductbossmastermind.com to submit your application. Spots are very limited, and let's get started building your dream life. Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlo-Sita, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. In introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder, she has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, product bosses. Did you know that every Wednesday we have a live talk show called Bosses and Breakfast where we chat business, mindset, mom life, and everything in between. It's a really fun time and it feels like a conversation amongst friends. In fact, sometimes we have conversations that we don't necessarily know that they're going to lead to where they lead, but we get such an amazing reaction from our listeners and from our community and from our students that we actually wanted to bring it to you to hear today. Yes, our favorite thing about Bosses and Breakfast is that we get to get together, we get to laugh, we get to be inspired about what's happening, and we get to check in with you and re-motivate you on why you're working so hard. So join us next time. We'd love to see you there. And here's that snippet from one of our shows that got tons of positive response, where we all walked away feeling more inspired and motivated for the week. So let's jump in. Okay, let's start with getting dreamy because Christina over here, who's probably serious and funny all at the same time, said, my dream is to drive a car that wasn't made in 2006. So I'd love to start this morning with all of you with, with dropping in something dreamy into the comments of something you would like. And it could actually be even bigger. So I think a lot of times we see through the next 12 months, right? Or we see in the next couple of years, we see stuff that feels tangible to us. Like, you know, maybe it is buying a new car or what's something that you would say that's like a little bit more like I'd like to pay myself. 
<laughs> yeah. That might be something. Right. I think it's more short ter- short term because it feels like it's attainable. Um, but when you're really thinking about true visioning and true dreaming of what your dream life could be, it's more long-term and, and it's a kind of the foundation of that long-term dream because it feels so intangible, feels so far away is that it still aligns with your why. Why do you want that? Does that truly make you happy? So I think when we're thinking about those long-term things and those short-term things, they all accumulate into our dream life because we're living our life, right? Every day, you know, it's not like we're you know, living in the future, we have to live, you know, on our path there. And I think that there's lots of things that we can look forward to. um, But we have to kind of make sure we're in the right direction, like our compass is in the right direction. Yeah. So I'm getting some really good ones here. A lot of people are wanting uh, vacation homes, um, Mm -hmm. beach houses. So we've got second house in Florida, take my family on vacations, pay off student loans and travel. My dream is to fund autism research. That's Rachel. Um, I want to buy a Tesla and maybe a vacation house. My dream is for six figure business and also to own a beach house Um, over here, short term lake house, long term million dollars in the bank. Like it. I want to pay myself. My dream is to grow a million dollar business. I want to retire my husband so he can follow his dream in music, make enough to contribute to my mom's board and care facility and rent, Um, having a work-life balance where I don't feel like I have to work 18 hours a day to make enough money. Lots of beach houses. We all need to get a row of product boss beach houses. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And then Diana said she wants a a lake house anywhere but Florida. Meanwhile, I'm like, oh, I want one in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the thing, right? Like we all, and then then what that house looks like and what that amount of money is or what that, you know, like California is so expensive. It's the craziest thing, you know, like, so like, you know, that millionaire tax, right? Doesn't, I don't, don't know. They? Yeah. So that's why everybody's like fleeing California amongst other reasons. Run to the hills. Um, <laughs> but the idea, right, is like, it's what's it. The question is what if we get dreamy and your business is the vehicle to your dream life, right? Like you're able to make money in your business and grow this business. What would your dream, what would be something dreamy that you would want at the end? So I think a lot of times we go with, I love those of you that want to give, right? You want to give money. A lot of you want to stabilize. A lot of you have something extra you want to add, right? I And, and I talked about that with a Chanel bag. I worked for 15 years, painted on my wall in my office, Chanel ain't going to buy itself, okay? Because before I had kids, that was my motivation. I yeah. wanted a Chanel bag. And to me, that was something, it was like a status thing. It meant that I could afford it, right? I wasn't going to put it on a credit card. And Mina and I had a conversation about it actually at the beginning of last year where she's like, you I still was like, I want a Chanel bag. She's like, you could go buy yourself a Chanel bag. <laughs> you can have a Chanel bag. <laughs> she's like, right? go do it. And I was like, yeah. oh, because there's always something else, right? There's always something else that you feel like your, your money could be assigned to. And um, there, it's, hundred percent true. But sometimes for some of us, right, it's something little that if you want, if you can treat yourself to something that is important to you, even, and how this started was, um, working with my life coach, for example, she's like, go buy something like go buy the most expensive chocolate bar, um, Mm -hmm. at the grocery store. She's like, if you like chocolate, go buy an $8 or $12 chocolate bar, something that feels like lavish and is important. So I would tell all of you that too, like when you have a win, it could be as simple as a chocolate bar. It could be as simple mm-hmm. as like, I'm going to go, you know, get the extra Gas large smoothie. Champagne. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have someone else fill up my car, you know, like, yeah. it, like you can find something that's little, that's not going to break the bank, but that makes you feel like the effort that you've put into your business is paying off. Because I know a lot of you are probably not paying yourself or paying yourself what you should 
that you would like if you worked for someone else that you could be making. So I think the first little step to your dream life is letting yourself dip into something that feels a little bit more extravagant. I'm not saying it's a Chanel bag, but I'm saying it's something Mm -hmm. for all of you. And then as you do grow your business, one of our masterminders that's in the seven figure range, when she does hit really big goals, she acts that is something she does. She goes and buys herself a designer bag. That's important to her. Another Mm -hmm. person goes on vacations. So as you start to hit that revenue level, it's like you can do things that are for yourself. And then as we kind of you start to feel more comfortable in life a bit. Maybe as you're making more money, you're starting to realize you can pay your bills. You're realizing that you can go to Target and not look at like the receipt every time that you check out. Then the next question, if we get even more dreamy than that is what else, you know, do you want Mm -hmm. to become an investor? Do you want to invest in real estate as, um, property that you're going to make money on, right? Like how do you start to have multiple streams of income for yourself personally outside of your business? And that is in the way of like women really starting to get educated on wealth and uh, growing wealth and maintaining wealth and making investments. And I think that conversation is just not had enough amongst us as women. Yeah, for sure. I think that what I like about the first step of getting dreamy is that it allows you this space to be able to dream without judgment. And I think that we all need that in life to keep going, right? We need to be able to dream without even the judgment of our spouse, right? Like what can we do for ourselves that feels like something good? You know, there's often times where like, you know, do you need that coffee? You have coffee at home. Do you need that spa day? Because you have a membership to, you know, Massage Heights, right? This is like a conversation of my husband and I, right? He's like, I'll I just really, rub your shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> no, I already have like massages every month. I have a membership, yeah. but I like to, I want to still have spa days, right? It doesn't make, it's not practical for him, but it, it feels my soul, right? So what does that look like for you that there's no judgment, right? Jacqueline has a whole bunch of bags. Does she need a Chanel one, right? So it's those things that you don't have the judgment of anybody else, that, you know, fills up your cup. And then as you move forward and you attain more wealth and more knowledge and you're further along in your journey, then you start thinking about the footprint you're leaving, right? It's It's usually has to do, yeah, the legacy usually has to do with philanthropy or what you're leaving with your kids. It's generational, you know? And so, but then in order to get there, it's like the thing that people do to get to that point, the gener- the the real impact stuff, the generational stuff, not just, you know, um, the one generation stuff is that they invest. It's things that we never knew about or were privy to that other maybe generations of Americans knew about or men knew about, or, you know, people who just grew up with financially savvy people that you know, took that knowledge, gave it to their children, their children grew up and were, had that knowledge about investing. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's really kind of the stages you go into is that, um, but I do think that it is important. It's really important for you to even be dreamy in the beginning. Otherwise it's never going to, the why is not going to align correctly. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you have to keep yourself going. It's like how, you know, they say you take care of yourself first, like you put on your own oxygen mask and then you can get to that point. Because if you try to jump too far um, in the beginning without kind of breadcrumbing the way for yourself, you feel like you're always behind. You know, you feel like I don't know enough. You feel like I'm not worth the investment, you know? And so I think 
for all of you that it starts with getting dreamy and knowing that it is possible for yourself and that you are worth every little thing that gets you to that point, you know, chocolate bars, spa days, you know, whatever it looks like in that, those first stages. And then it gets you to the point where you are gaining knowledge, making investments, making sound decisions, whatever it is. And then you'll have more wealth to play with. It just does not happen overnight. Do not believe anybody that tells you that it happens overnight because that's just simply untrue. You know? Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I know I talk about Juicy Couture a lot and we talk about it a little bit in the Bestseller Secrets Challenge, but I had um, a pair of Juicy Couture denim jeans from that I bought of Fred Siegel back in 2000 and seven. I'm like losing it on what years are years because I'm like 97, <laughs> like seven. No, no, no. It's like a decade ago. <laughs> no, no, no. 1997. Okay. I was in, I was yeah. in high school. Um, in 1997, I went, my mom took me to Fred Siegel, which is a really expensive store that all the celebrities shopped at in LA. And I bought myself, she let me pick out one thing and I bought myself a pair of jeans. I didn't even know who Juicy Couture was, but I knew that these jeans are being sold at Fred Siegel. So they must be good. And I bought denim. How many of you knew that Juicy sold denim back in 1997 because when did the tracksuits, when did we see the tracksuits? Somewhere Jana. around 99, Probably 2003? Yeah, 2000. 2000. Yeah, okay. I would say 2000. Yeah. You know, the Juicy Couture matching velour sweatshirts or uh, sweatpants and sweatshirts that everyone matched, right? Like those matching mm-hmm. sets, which were and they got back. the short sleeve, puffy sleeve, all and, the sleeves, and like yeah, the capri the and the shorts, all yeah, of it, right. <laughs> so that's what put Juicy on the map. That's what Juicy grew to sell their company off for two hundred million dollars. But did you know that before they ever, you know, were known for that? They didn't which, even know. They didn't even know, right? They came out with a tracksuit at one point. Then all of a sudden, JLo's launched a brand around it. You know, like she's knocking them off. Like I remember in Santa Monica, there were shops of like, you'd walk in and it was rainbow walls of velour tracksuits. It was, it was the thing. So why I say that is that these two women started a business out of LA, right? They were running it for a long time. And then they, um, they finally hit with a bestseller, something that like set the world on fire and created a trend that no one ever thought was going to be a trend. They dropped the jeans, they dropped the whatever, they had the shirts, they were bought out for like 200 million. All of a sudden we saw, you know, actual brick and mortars of them. We saw them being sold in Macy's, like they were sold everywhere. When did they start making their handbags and when did they start making jewelry and all the other Juicy Couture products that we remember? Well, that was post being bought out for $200 million when a huge company own them. But I say that because like Mina saying that overnight success, that business, you may have realized all of a sudden they came onto the map and you're like, Ooh, tracksuits in a couple and of years later. They always knew tracksuits were their star. But that is not true. They did not know that. And you trust me that those ladies are probably eventually like, Oh my God, I can't, I'm not another tracksuit. And then their <laughs> buyers are like, keep making tracksuits. Like I can't do it. You know, <laughs> take my business for 200 million. No. Um, but the idea there is that what you're realizing is so much work gets done before people become put on, get put on the map. And then so much work is done after as well, right. As you're building the business and whatever you choose to do with it. So it is absolutely not an overnight success. People work. There's also, we really believe that everybody has a unfair advantage. So mm-hmm. when we say that, what does that an unfair advantage means? It means it's something struck for you at some time that's different than someone else's. Something yeah. simple. Different, you- and but everybody has it, right? Yeah. So for me, I would say mine was that I really have g- been gifted the idea of the American dream. 
that I never felt like nothing was impossible, you know? So that was your other unfair unfair advantage. But I would also say your unfair advantage for your little labels was that you didn't know that Prime Day was coming and you got on Amazon at the right time. And it just so happened that Prime Day was a few months later and it kind of set your your business afloat, right? Right, right. Mine for um, Cuffs Couture, my unfair advantage was one, I worked for a celebrity. So I actually had access to celebrities that were able to mm-hmm. wear my product. And then I I had gotten a press piece because I had the celebrities wearing my product and I got it po- like someone did it for me for free. So it was because I was in LA. I had friends that were celebrity- celebrities. I worked with for a celebrity. So that was my unfair advantage. It, it's a different one than Mina's, right? Like hers was right mm-hmm. time, right place at some point mm-hmm. for her product. So each of us have something different that is mm-hmm. our quote unquote unfair advantage to somebody else because there was something that just kind of like pushed us into something. I think sometimes skill sets are unfair advantages. I really do believe that. Like I think you grow up in certain ways that it might like for all of you that are thinking that I need a PR hit or I need, you know, Jeff Bezos to do a prime day and then, and then I'll be have a momentum. We all have something, a skill or something in our journey that gave us an advantage. Another advantage of mine is that I actually knew a lot about commercial printing. Mm-hmm. All those years that I did annual reports, newsletters, print collateral, I knew different folds like gatefold, Z fold, you know, every the different hinges that go to different binders, all those things. And I was able to create a product from it. Right. So there's things that you don't realize that give you an unfair advantage according to everybody else, but everybody has them. Sometimes people, like I would say my sister, she was born with the ability to negotiate. Like I kid you not, that woman could get us into anywhere, could (laughs) pry things out of people. Like, and I could not negotiate to get myself out of, you know, saving $1, you know, like, (laughs) so I think there's certain skills that people attain uh, over the years and they develop that give them an unfair advantage as well. So think about what that could be for all of you. Yeah. I'd love to hear what you think yours is. And I'm going to just, you actually, I didn't realize this, but, and you and I've kind of talked about it, but an unfair advantage for me was, I was a fashion designer. I went to school, but I was hired by a big business, but it was still run like a small business. And so while I thought I was just going to be an assistant designer, I lived in Florida for this company. I thought I was just going to be an assistant designer. In fact, I was just the designer, right? They they hired me an assistant design price, but I was able to do everything, Uh everything. And I was able to work at the trade shows. Like they put me in the booth or like when I worked for the celebrity, we, we did um, runway shows. Like Chrissy Teigen was one of our original models when she was just 18, right? Like we did all this stuff. And so my unfair advantage is that I was given these really humongous opportunities when I was like 24, 25, 26, that my friends that worked at Gap and Nike and all the big businesses, they were still doing like a very specific job at a big, big corporation. And so that's why I was able to launch my own line very quickly. I was able to help people launch mm-hmm. lines. I was able to do the product class. Those those friends of mine that have worked for 15 years or I don't know how many years it's been now, um, at like a Gap and a Nike, they still call me when they're thinking about launching their own line. And I'm like, but you worked at Nike, but they they can design it, but they don't know how to do it themselves. So yeah. that's my unfair advantage there. Right. Okay. So we have one over here. 
Um, unfair. This is three best bakery unfair advantage. A husband who is a hundred percent supportive and has taken the role sole supporter while I've grown. That's amazing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That is amazing. And that is an advantage because there's lots of people that don't have the support of their husbands. Right. Mm -hmm. And it makes it just a little bit harder, a lot harder, actually, if you don't have that advantage. Right. Mm -hmm. Rachel says soldering. And then Christina says, I was born a maker. I just recently realized that everybody has a designer maker brain. It's true. Not everybody friends Mm -hmm. could actually say, I'm going to take this something that I can do that's creative or actually just do anything creative. That is 100% truth right there. Like not everybody. Yeah. And then sell it for something and people will exchange money with you. Even if it's, you feel like you're not making enough sales, but you've made a sale you've created a business, right? My father-in-law yesterday, my, my daughter, five years old at the dinner table last night goes, um, grandpa, what's your two favorite things to do in the world? We're like, what? Like, are you a podcaster now? Like, interview? <laughs> are, you, are you coaching? Are you coaching? She's like, well, what are your two least favorite things to do? Like she, then we went around the table, we all answered. And one of the things he said was making glass. Like he knows how to blow glass. He knows how to do stained glass. He realized it. And you know, he's in real estate. He works still. And, um, I was like, Ooh, that's something that he loves so much, but can't Mm -hmm. ever do unless there's leisurely time to do it. Right. And, and so some of you, like as creatives, you're able to do something you love so much and sell it. Like James was like, one of my favorite things to do is act and sing. And we're like, and he gets to get paid for it. One of my favorite things to do is design and make product and be an entrepreneur. And I get paid for that. And so there's something Mm -hmm. very cool about all of us here that, are creatives that are able to build businesses around that as well. Yeah. my One of my favorite things to do is learn and to teach other people things. And I get to do that in a creative way. I always knew like I was, like I always felt like creatively I was going to write books or do something or teach or something. And it came out to be that I was a podcaster. I could teach courses or, you know, teach in different ways. So I think it evolves in what you think it could be, but it's definitely in a, like people gravitate towards certain skill sets or they gravitate towards their, you know, there's advantages that we all have that could potentially be just the spark that you need. It's the spark that you need that could, you know, ignite everything for you. So if you're, if you don't want to put it in the comments, that's okay. But think about what you think, like just find something that's your unfair advantage, which actually somewhat is like a spark right? It's that, it's that initial spark to set the fire ablaze, like when we're trying to light a campfire. So I think that that's something for all of you to think about because so many times we could think about what we don't have. Like we think about the have nots versus the haves. Uh-huh. And what were you going to say? Oh, I love these examples. First, I wanted to say Sage House. She said, my unfair advantage is being numbers and math minded. I've always made sure I made a profit from the very beginning. I love that. I love that because I'm definitely not math minded. I was good at it growing up. I'm terrible at it now, but my kids are math minded. Like they're very, they really are good at it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, thank goodness I don't have to teach You're them. You're like, can you divide this for me? Because my <laughs> like, TI-82. My TI-82. <laughs> Literally, I have it, you guys. She literally has her TI-82. We're in like mastermind calls and she's like, let me see what you're... Okay. (laughs) And then I love this about Nancy too. So Nancy, who's in her mastermind, says, I know more about hummingbirds than just about anybody out there. My expertise totally backs my brand. So she sells hummingbird food and hummingbird um, feeders. And she does amazing on Etsy and she just kills it. So I love that because even that, right? Knowing about 
hummingbirds. Like how special is that? That's amazing. And she was a zookeeper, which makes her like the coolest person we've all known in our yeah, life. Yeah, she's she's one of our masterminders. Um, yeah. So we also have Sabria says, my self-discipline is my unfair advantage. I will not give up. Um, Amanda, who she says, I know how to find super awesome old furniture and flip it. And not only that, you're an artist. Let's see. Annika says, I'm the fastest action taker. I know that's my um, innate ability. That is my unfair advantage. I'm going to... I'm going to be honest about that. It's true. Like Mina and I are high yeah. on, the, on, we've taken the Colby test. It starts with a K. So K-O-L-B-E. It's an interesting thing to take one day if you're Which all you ever- can go to the productboss.com slash Colby, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting test. Like if you go take it, you can send us your results. It'd be, it's really interesting. So, so there's four measures. It's basically how do you work like authentically? How like- do you, if everybody is presented with a problem, even when they're young to when they're old, it's the same, you get the same score. Um, it's how you approach a problem. It's not strengths and weaknesses, but it's just how people approach problems in different ways. So for example, if you got high in quick start, if you would be an innovator versus a sustainer, for example, you know, or I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's not strengths and weaknesses. It's li- It tells you how you approach to solve a problem. So like a quick start, for example, might be like, okay, I have enough facts. I'm going to start a business tomorrow, right? Like I'm definitely a mm-hmm. quick start where I'm like, oh, let's do this and launch it. And I sometimes have to really pull myself back and say, I need to sleep on something for 24 hours yeah. before I actually say it out, my, out of my mouth. Right. But then there's so, quick- a really quick fun fact. Okay. So Jacqueline's score is actually six, three, six, two or something like that. That I was eight. For quick start. Oh no, no. Six three eight two. Six three yeah. eight two. So she's the same with me on fact finding, which is the first one, which is you need to know a lot. So that's a six. Anything above seven is considered a really high score. Seven, eight, nine is the highest, you know? And then a- anything in there is like medium. So we're a six in that we're fact finders, but we're the top of the medium, you know, like imagine a glow, you know, that's like red hot or not. And then seven is follow through, which means not that you have bad follow through. It means that um, for me, I systemize. So my mine is seven and really high. Jacqueline's is low. She's only a three, but she just sustains. She she fits into the system, right? She just m- manages it, sustains it. And then she's very high quick start, which is like you make really quick decisions. And I do too. I'm a seven and she's an eight, right? And get this, you guys. My husband is a two on quick quick start on quick start. But I want to explain it really fast. Mm -hmm. So it's called the Colby test. Go to the productboss.com slash Colby K O L B E. We are jumping all over the place today with (laughs) our conversation. But what that means is, so from a quick start, it's like, how fast can you take action? And sometimes Mm -hmm. what happens is someone that might be like really high in um, fact finding and, and kind of middle to lower on quick start means that it, some some people have to keep researching and keep researching they before they can take paralyzed. action. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Versus like where like me, I'm I need to know enough to make the decision, and I can start quickly. I just need to know enough, and I can. And that's why Mina and I work really well together because we're like we need it. We have we need to have some basic context of how this works. We need to research a little bit, but then we can buy. It. We don't have to like my husband with like cars and mechanics. He's like he uh-huh. needs to like which that he's the fourth one. Yeah, um, he, which like, is implementer. So it's like understanding how something works, like machinery, like pulling things apart and being like, ooh, how does this work? Mina and I can kind of look at it and say, 
okay, uh-huh. that's a that's a printer. I'll use it. You know, yeah. like I believe so we it'll work. Score, I believe a two in that one. My husband scores a five. And so what that means is that when you walk past a machine, you have to know how the machine works. So if you're taking apart toasters, you're taking apart you know, different things, you know, you're very high in implementer because you need to know how things work before you move forward to solve the problem. The reason why Jock and I score so low on that is where we're like, yep, that works as a whole. We don't need to know how it works. We just know that this is overall the result that we want, right? We don't need to be like, oh, this machine looks interesting. I'm going to touch it and see this little cogwheel goes here. I've never ever taken anything apart. I've never put something together. Like that is just, I feel like my cousin Jimmy would be very high on this. So we we were sort of feeling that maybe sometimes men do perform in a different way there. But, but why we're talking about this really, and and not to get super distracted, but is like, it's identifying knowing how like you approach a situation and then, and then being able to say, okay, I know that I act really fast or sometimes my husband's like, why do you need to know everything? Like, why do you have so many questions? (laughs) Like you were trying to make a decision. Like we're driving across the country and he's like, I'm like, well, where are we going? And then did it and did it because I'm a fact finder. Right. So if he knows that he knows that I'm a higher fact finder, he's asking me to make a decision. I'm like, I need to know enough for me to be able to tell you, yes, that's going to work for me or not. But if you're just like, Hey, we're going to drive here. I'm going to, I'm not going to just be like, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, I need to research this. I need to understand it. So it's called the Colby. It's the productboss.com slash Colby K O L B E. If you want to take the test, it's really interesting, but then you can kind of, sometimes you can identify some of the stuff like this is taken off of Annika, like spinning us in this direction, but she said she could take fast action. Um, so, so, so that is something that she's probably a very high quick start that she doesn't get stuck. She makes a decision and she's like, Hey, I'm mm-hmm. going to do this. But Annika and yeah. I are probably very similar in the fact that we're quick starts that we might move too fast with decisions sometimes and then deal with the, this is I'm talking about me and not Annika, but then deal with like the repercussions after, Oh, I made this quick decision, but then what, you know, now I have to do what, you know, because I didn't, I, I decided too fast. So there's, I think when you know this yeah. about yourself and you start to hone in, you can kind of, understand how you approach situations. And instead of feeling like crappy about it, be like, no, that's how I approach situations. And I have to adjust for it. That's why I like the Colby is that, so for all of you, we're talking about unfair advantage is you see the, you can just have those as your unfair advantages and it's not strengths or weaknesses. For example, my husband and I actually got really high, both of us on follow through. And Jacqueline was like, you guys must get so much stuff done in your household. And I was like, they're both really high on follow through. And I'm like, oh, like they probably have lists that they've checked off and checked off twice. However, (laughs) it's the opposite because when you're high on quick start, you systemize everything, right? And so what happens, what my husband- When you're high on follow through. Or when you're high on follow through, what happens is you systemize everything. So it tells you in this test. And so he was like, no wonder- we always butt heads. It's because I'm trying to get you to fit into my system and you're trying to get me to fit into your system. So we both, so it tells you on the exact thing, like you systemize, don't try to, it talks about, don't let anybody tell you what you need to fit into because you usually can naturally know how things will work, right? Naturally, I can systemize just about anything with acronyms, you know, mnemonic devices, um, the rainbow device, you know, whatever it is. I can use it. And she'd be like, okay, okay. 
We're going to teach this. And I've created an yeah. entire acronym for it. And I mean, this, this, <laughs> you guys, there are so many acronyms out there. Like we've got written down so many trainings. So many. I literally have to pull back from the amount of acronyms and mnemonic devices I've created for all of you. And so the thing is, though, the reason why uh, we don't get a lot of stuff done is because we butt heads because of that. I want it to be systemized this way. He wants to be systemized this way. And the other thing is that he's a two and quick start. And my, you know, my one life partner is a two. My other quick uh, is high. And so that's why I'm like pulling out my hair sometimes because I'm like, please, can we just move forward with this? And he's like, well, blah, 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 you know? And so I think that it just gives you a little bit of understanding of how you work with other people, but understanding of yourself too. So the fair, so his unfair advantage, he is a pharmacist. Remember that licensed pharmacist. So his unfair advantage is that he has very high follow through so he can systemize everything like I can. He has low quick start, meaning that he's very thoughtful and he really thinks out the decisions he's going to make. And then he's a middle of the row implementer. So a five, whereas Jacqueline and I are two, which means that he can pretty much adapt. He can see how things are going to, you know, be big vision, but he can, but he actually knows and understands how things work. You know, like he can fix things if he needs to. He understands how the machine works, things like that, where I'm just like, oh, just hire somebody to put that machine together, you know? And so it really is like it makes you understand yourself more so you can pull out your unfair advantages, whatever they are, and know that they are advantages and not weaknesses. So that's why I think it's a really good, you know, way to figure out what your unfair advantage is. Yeah. And we, you know, the reason why Mina and I took a bunch of personality tests at some point was because we're two CEOs, we're two business owners, we're partners. And so I was like, I wish I took the Colby before I got married. Not that I wouldn't have married my husband, but we probably would have like saved on a lot of fights as we started getting to know each other (laughs) and being married. (laughs) <laughs> because it would have been like, oh, we both have low follow through. We need to hire someone to help us do that. <laughs> Instead of being like, why aren't you building the fence? Why aren't you building the fence? So, so, so it's K-O-L-B-E. Colby. Yeah. The productboss.com slash Colby. So, yeah. Um, so we say that because we had to really identify our working partnership, which is why also why we, um, you know, have taken our, the Myers-Briggs or certain tests that we've taken because we, we have to approach things differently. A lot of you is you're doing this on your own, but you might sometimes feel bad about it with something that you've done and be like, why am I like this? Instead of realizing this is just how you've been. The Colby lasts for about 40 years. So it's not something that changes. It's something that probably has been how you have been since you started sort of approaching things as a child. Um, so we say that to you for one on that. So this leads back to the unfair advantage, which is where we started with this part of the conversation, which was all of us have some sort of unfair advantage that we can, which is something that we can lean into, right? It's like a, a spark that like is going to set something up, uh, on fire, right? Like it's like, what what is that spark that's going to help your business grow? And all of this came from the conversation about women and wealth. And having a conversation about your business being the vehicle to you, you hitting your dream life, right? Like, what is that? And what, and what can wealth do for you? It's not a bad thing. So as you make money, what are you going to do with the money you make? And it's our responsibility as women to educate ourselves on this, to be surrounded by other people. So, so first and foremost, what you did probably initially was that you invested in yourself to start a business, right? Mm -hmm. You paid that you pay taxes, you probably paid for like your registration, you paid for machinery or for raw goods. Like there's something like that, that you initially took some extra money with and you 
created a business. And then the next thing from that is, is what are you doing to invest in yourself? Are you paying for a trainer, you know, in normal times at a gym? A mentor. Yeah. Do you have a mentor or a coach? Because coaches and mentors are the things like, you know, coaches, like uh, trainers, even those are the things that hold us accountable and have us show up. Are you investing in yourself with like, um, learning how to be a better boss, learning how to run your business, you know, investing yourself in courses, signing up for free challenges that are going to help level you up. So there's that investment initially. Then as you start to make money, it's paying yourself for Mm -hmm. like, that's our goal with our students is to get you paid. And so that's why we work on getting you profitable fast. Like, the multi multi machine, which is our signature course. The whole idea is finding your path to profit and getting you profitable fast so that you can start paying yourself and hiring team members to grow your, keep growing your business. And then we get past that kind of like survival mode that sort of like, okay, this is working. Money's coming in. I'm profitable. It's growing. And then you might, you're going to hit a point that you're like, okay, the company has profit. Now we Mm -hmm. have profit. We invest some back in, we save some, but how do we continue to build build wealth? And I just wanted to read a couple of stats. I'm, I'm on RBC Wealth Management. And they said that the global economy, women are starting starting and running new businesses at a rapid rate. This is all pre-2020. Um, women were majority owners of 9.9 million U.S. businesses of all sizes with more than 8.4 million employees back in 2012. Okay. So then... They were saying that globally, women have held 30% of the wealth controlled by individuals or families in 2015, and then that was up 28% since 2010, and 44% had grown their wealth independently as entrepreneurs. So right now, with only 30% of women in the world that control wealth, but... Okay, but 44% of those women, so that's almost 50%, have built their wealth independently as entrepreneurs. That's all of you. Yeah, you all have the ability as entrepreneurs to build wealth. And they said by 2020, women expected to control $72 trillion, which is 32% of all the wealth up from 51 trillion in 2015. So that's a huge jump. Like all of you are contributing to these numbers because more and more women are building businesses, able to hire people and starting to build wealth. Well, friends, I hope you had as much fun as we did. If you want to hang out with us live, join us every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern over at our Facebook page or Instagram. And if you want to hear the whole show, click on the link in our show notes and we'll see you over there. Hey friend, are you ready to become the visionary of your business? Are you ready to multiply your money to get to your first 100K or your next 100K and really discover the joys of profit? Are you ready to stabilize your systems to really take advantage of all the opportunities that are coming your way? Are you ready to hire your dream team so you can step into the role of chief visionary and finally stop being the bottleneck of your business? Are you ready to increase your confidence in your decision-making, your sales, and become recognized as a leader in your industry? Are you ready to take the vacation of your dreams, live the life that you want, all while knowing your business is running smoothly in the background? Imagine where you could be in three months, six months, or 12 months if you went all in on your business now. Would you take the leap? Take the leap, friend. Applications are now open for the Product Boss Mastermind. We're looking for serious product-based business owners who are ready to grow into six or seven 
six-figure product-based businesses. The Mastermind is designed to facilitate a breakthrough year in your business and life through coaching, connections, and true mastermind. This means you never have to make a decision alone again, and you're surrounding yourself with fellow high-level product business owners that get it, and they are taking action. So go to theproductbossmastermind.com to submit your application. Spots are very limited, and let's get started building your dream life.